Welcome to Less Lonely, More Loved, a podcast series from the Young Adult Ministry here at St. Mark United Methodist Church of Atlanta, where we are ordinary people exploring our queries of faith. My name is Jess Cusick, and today I am absolutely delighted to welcome (laughs) Megan Williams, who is our Candler School of Theology intern for this 2021-2022 school year. And Megan and I are going to bring you a second episode of this podcast every single week through Christmas Day, where the two of us are going to dive into some of the lectionary reading for Advent, following our Advent themes of hope, love, joy, and peace. And Megan, I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm very excited too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. I think that one of the things that is going to be great fun about this is that Megan and I both having some solid seminary Mm -hmm. education under our belts are going to bring you some of our theological deep dives into the scriptures that we love around this Advent season. Yes, my seminary uh, education is definitely in process, so this is time to work through things. Yeah, but by Christmas, you will literally be halfway there. Yes, halfway done. That's right. Living on a prayer. Yes. (laughs) Well, Megan, I think that it is only appropriate for us to start this podcast with the question that we will be asking all of the guests on our experience episodes Mm -hmm. of the podcast, which is, it's not the holidays Mm -hmm. until what? Mm -hmm. For me, it is not the holidays until I watch White Christmas. Cute. The movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it was a family tradition. I grew up um, in Alabama, outside of Birmingham, and our family always went to this really old, like, traditional theater, very beautiful, like, decked out fully with Christmas decorations, and we always saw White Christmas there. So that's our little family Christmas tradition, which, you know, the past couple years, you know, haven't actually gotten to go to that theater, but still always make sure that I watch that movie. I love that. I actually have never seen White Christmas. It's good. Yeah. It's got music. It's got drama, relationships, all the things. Everything that one can hope for (laughs) from a good Christmas movie. Yeah. I love that. What about you? So for me, um, I, very similar, have a Christmas tradition that surrounds film. Mm -hmm. Yours sounds a little bit more highbrow than mine, which is that my mom and I love cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies where the acting is terrible, Mm -hmm. the plot line is expected, Mm -hmm. the setting is very clearly on a budget, Yeah, but they're just like so warm and fuzzy and I love them. And so I just, I would love a Hallmark Mm -hmm. cheesy Christmas marathon the day after Thanksgiving until Christmas Day and beyond. Bring it on. That's, That's it for me. Sentimental. Yeah. Cozy blanket. Yep. Cozy blanket, hot cocoa, heteronormativity. Right. (laughs) What else could we ask for, really? All the things. All the things. (laughs) So, you know, that or alternatively, Mm -hmm. I am a massive fan of the Home Alone movies. Okay. I love all of them. Mm -hmm. But perhaps unpopular opinion, Home Alone, I think it's three. Okay. Best one. Interesting. I actually never even watched any of the Home Alone really? movies until last year. We had like a little movie marathon. Yeah. Watched all the Home Alones. We watched all the different Gr- Grinches and then some other ones. 
I'm into that. I love that. Well, all right, everyone. So if you want to join the holidays with Megan and I, watch a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Grab your cozy blanket and watch a movie. So we've sort of touched on this already a little bit, but what are we hoping to accomplish in our time together every week? What can we sort of like preview for the people? What will they gather from this part of the podcast? Yeah, I think we are trying to explore what Advent means to us and maybe what Advent means more broadly as Christians um, and doing that through looking at the different themes of Advent each week and also using um, scripture from a lectionary to help us do that as well. Absolutely. Speaking of the lectionary, we're using a very special lectionary that we're both very excited about. This is Dr. Wilda Gaffney's Year A. Shout out to Dr. Gaffney for creating a really beautiful resource that highlights the stories of women and marginalized people in the Bible. Um, This is just such a wonderful resource. It's brand new. Mm -hmm. She just released this, I think, Mm -hmm. like two months ago. Mm -hmm. So we will be reading through specifically Dr. Gaffney's selections for Advent. We have, in the interest of time, selected one passage from the lectionary. And for, for folks that may not be aware, in the lectionary passages every week, there is um, an Old Testament reading, a psalm, a New Testament reading, and a gospel reading. So every week we will bring you one of those. Right. And what is also special about this is this lectionary just got released. Right. One of the first opportunities for churches to be, you know, even use this lectionary in Advent is the beginning of the liturgical calendar. That's right. So it's like the first of the first, and we're doing it. We're doing it. We're like <laughs> at the beginning, doing a beginning with a new beginning. It's yeah. going to be wonderful. So really, really excited about that. Really thankful for Dr. Gaffney and all of her hard work. And really encourage anyone who's listening who might also be in an ecclesial church setting to pick up a copy. Year A and Year W are available right now. But I know that Dr. Gaffney has plans to release Years B and C, likely in the coming months, I would assume. But, you know, it happens when we assume. Mm-hmm. And finally, I would love for us to dig a little bit into the why, because mm-hmm. there are quite literally a million different podcasts that people could be listening to (laughs) and spending their time on. And I think that we have something special. And so I'd love to tell people a little bit about the why we're here. And I think for me personally, the why is not only is this a really wonderful opportunity in these sort of COVID times for us to gather virtually in your car or your kitchen while you're doing dishes to sort of share Advent together, but also an opportunity to sort of reimagine the Advent season Mm -hmm. as for me personally, someone who grew up in the church, but whose ideas of church and Advent have really shifted over time. And so on that note, I say, let's just dig right into our topic for today, which is hope. Let's do it. So our, the passage that we've selected today is actually from the Old Testament. I am a big fan of the Old Testament, so I'm really excited that we have chosen the Genesis passage for today. So Megan, will you read for us? Yes. So this is a reading from Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. 
Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Beautiful. So Megan just read for us the New Revised Standard Version of Genesis, and now I am going to read Genesis 1, 1 through 5, as reimagined and rewritten by Dr. Gaffney. When beginning, he, God, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was shapeless and formless, and bleakness covered the face of the deep. While the Spirit of God, she, fluttered over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, so God separated the light from the bleakness. Then God called the light day, and the bleakness God called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, day one. So there's so much Mm -hmm. really good, juicy stuff that we could dig into. Yeah. But we're not going to keep everyone here for like a full seminary lecture. Right. But I would really like for us to chat a little bit about, Megan, the version that you read for us mm-hmm. talks about the, that God separates the light from the darkness. And in Dr. Gaffney's version, she says that God separates the light from the bleakness. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is like just like a lot of good stuff that we can dive into there. But I would love for you to just share some of your initial thoughts. Right. Well... And it seems like bleakness is a much more specific word than darkness. Yeah. And so if you're reading the version I read, the NRSV version, um, and many other versions use that word darkness, and and you ask yourself, well, what does that mean? And I think um, in the version you read, the answer to that is there was a bleakness and that God spoke into that bleakness uh, with light. Yeah. I also love that Dr. Gaffney uses the term bleakness because I think it really, it's very evocative Mm -hmm. and it really sort of speaks to or resonates for me as that there was light. The light is good, right? Mm -hmm. God says the light is good. And then like bleakness is this sort of hopelessness, Mm -hmm. which I think is really perfect for a lectionary passage for Advent 1, where we're talking about hope, Mm -hmm. it's like God is separating light from hopelessness. I think that that is very tangible Mm -hmm. in a way that separating light from darkness feels a little bit less tangible. And in some of the circles that I'm in, the conversations that we've been having around racial equity and racial justice in the church the last several years Mm -hmm. have been that when we talk about separating light from darkness or in some ways if light is good, then we have to sort of assume that darkness is bad, that that has a really negative connotation for our siblings who are black or indigenous or people of color. So I love that Dr. Gaffney makes this really very intentional choice to say that God is not separating light from dark but rather separating, in some sense, hope from hopelessness. So I think that's really cool. Right, yeah. And, and, and all of Scripture, you know, is important. But this 
text, you know, particularly is the beginning, is setting up the beginning of all, you know, stories and scripture to come after it. Yeah. Um, in a way, we read scripture through the lens of what we learn in Genesis 1. And Advent also being a beginning for us. Um, that specificity, I think, helps us understand it in a new way. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the great things about the ideas of beginning, the ideas of separating hope from hopelessness. One of the things that you and I have been talking about is, I think, I venture to say one of our favorite authors, <laughs> who is the Reverend Dr. Barbara Brown Taylor. BBT, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> Very much. Very much. Come be on our podcast. <laughs> but Barbara Brown Taylor writes in her book, it's almost a decade old now, which feels oh, wow. mind-blowing to me but learning to walk in the dark. And she has a lot of really cool things to say about the darkness, about the bleakness, right? I think that she would be comfortable. I'm going to speak for Barbara Brown Taylor and say that BBT is comfortable with us mixing and matching her words here, darkness with bleakness. What do you think about that? Yeah, I would say that, yeah. I think um, the learning to walk in the dark, this book really gets into this idea of times in our lives that we are going through maybe some really painful emotions or deep emotions and that those experiences are just as valid as other experiences but maybe don't get as much attention or conversation um, as other topics especially in Christianity Um, it's not one of our favorite topics to talk about but yet it, it does hold the same amount of meaningfulness. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah, learning. Well, and it's just, it's interesting when you said um, this book being almost a decade old. I, when I was looking through it, she talks about, um, you know, these times that we go through, I think, maybe the dark night of the soul is when she was talking about this. But just these these hard times that we go through, maybe times of unknowing, or just times of suffering, and that happens often on individual levels. Um, but also, there's times that there's whole groups of people or whole communities that are going through these times of bleakness. Um, and I think that when I was looking through that, I was like, "Well, that's so relatable to our world right now." Oh my gosh! Yeah, which we've all gone through this time um, of confusion and suffering, and just so much um, collectively, which we don't always get to do. Absolutely. And I think that we often, when we talk about our journeys, we tend to focus on the thread of light that runs through that journey rather than talking about a season where there is bleakness and like maybe there are like pinholes of light that are getting in, but that it it really is like Barbara Brown Taylor talks about like the dark night of the soul, like that this is a a time where we are in like the thick of it and it feels like dawn is never going to break, mm-hmm. right? That the sun is never going to re-enter our whole space. And I, I think that as Christian people, when we're talking about Advent, we're talking about this beginning of our calendar mm-hmm. where we are pre the birth of Jesus, which can be a little bit confusing in our minds because like Jesus is already always around and we're kind of always talking about Jesus. So for us to be like, oh, the life of Jesus, living the life of Jesus. Oh, wait, now we wait for Jesus to be born. That feels a little bit strange. 
But I think that as we travel through this Advent season, Advent literally meaning a time of waiting or a time of longing, I think that Barbara Brown Taylor's work is really appropriate for what happens in these seasons where we haven't arrived. Mm -hmm. I feel like in this pandemic, I feel like I haven't arrived. Right. And and it's not it's not one season of waiting and then one season of arrival. We see that our whole lives are cyclical in the sense that we have many seasons where things feel like they are just unformed and you have no idea where how things are actually going to play out and that can be very uncomfortable and then you have seasons where you think everything is making sense all of a sudden and everything is going great um and then you find yourself again in in the season of unknowing um and that is what one thing i think advent is helpful for us as christians to have this season of meditation on those times and those feelings um of unknowing and waiting and confusion yeah and that there is even in the thick of the waiting, perhaps I would even be so bold as to say, like, in the thick of the bleakness, that we can find hope. One of my other favorite author, authors, who's, her name is Sumant Kidd, she wrote, most people will probably know her work from The Secret Life of Bees, which is excellent and also is an excellent film. But this work specifically comes from my favorite book of hers, which is The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. And I literally, right before this podcast... Did I not tell you, Megan, that you needed to buy this book? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Immediately, everyone, pause this podcast. Go order The Dance of the Dissident Daughter from your local bookstore and or your local library. Go rent it. It is amazing. But she talks about her life being a daffodil bulb that she has like planted too deeply. And one of my favorite things that she says is she says, the thing that is in the daffodil is in me too. The idea that sometimes we are plunged into the depth of the soil where it feels bleak and maybe even a little bit dead. And yet, in those times, in those seasons, like you're saying, that's when we're growing roots or when we're sprouting little flowers that are going to like peek up out of the soil and be really beautiful one day even if we're not there just yet. Right, and it's always that that perspective is so helpful on the other side. You know, <laughs> when the daffodil has bloomed, right. it's like, oh, of course, you know, the time in the dirt and the darkness was needed to get, you know, from point A to point B. But when you are in the dirt, um, it feels like it's just completely meaningless. Um, and I guess, you know, one would hope and one would think that the more times we find ourselves in the dirt, it becomes easier and easier to have that hope that there is more coming that we may just not know yet. But I feel like every time I find myself in the dirt, it's, it's impossible to have that perspective. So, Megan, we're talking a little bit about the idea of bleakness. We're plunging into this season of longing or waiting and Advent. And so I'm really curious Mm -hmm. about maybe a time in your life where you have experienced the dark night of the soul or Mm -hmm. some bleakness. It's almost like 
embarrassing because of how stereotypical people talk about um, what that life is like right after you have graduated college. People always say it's really hard and you're like waking up to, you know, the real world or whatever. Um, But that was certainly my experience. I um, had moved pretty far away from where I grew up and my family to go to college in this um, town that I just thought was really cool and thought like was gonna be um, me like coming into the full expression of myself and all of that and it, and it was like a great you know experience and then graduating I actually went back to um, live with my family and back into the town that I had grown up with and or grown up in um, and it was really, really hard. I, um, at the time, just felt like I had lost so much. And it, it, I think a lot of that had to do with being, you know, geographically away from the community and the people that I had spent the previous four years in, but also just other life stuff. Um, I was, you know, trying to come out and I was trying to continue growing, I think, on the same path that I had started while I was in college. Yeah. And I had a very rude awakening that um, being in, I think, the space that I had grown up in and even like being around my family, um, realizing that there was a lot of um, work, I guess, to do yeah um and acknowledging the things that had changed that hadn't necessarily had to be acknowledged when there's a lot of space and and separation physically and geographically and um but yeah it was just it was a time of depression for me that I had never experienced before yeah and it was also a time of a lot of bitterness for me, um, accepting that things had changed um, that I didn't want to change, and also accepting that, like you know, sometimes things just don't work out the way you think they will. Right. Um, and also that same year, COVID happened, and it just a lot was thrown up in the air, yeah. and I had no idea what was even going to be coming in the next year for me. Um, And there was a time of mourning in that. There was a time of frustration and anger and bitterness in that before I was able to get to a time of um, peace and acceptance and then growth um, and finding excitement and finding freedom in the honest truth that like you are not a fully formed human like we are never done growing and we are never done changing um and that that should be something that is exciting and freeing but it also in that moment was something that was just frustrating as well yeah i think that those sort of the mystery of being a person is both like comforting and terrifying all at the same time. Like, oh, I'm never actually fully, I never fully arrive in Mm -hmm. my most complete state as a person because there's always something else to learn. Yeah. Yeah. 
gosh, I cannot even imagine leaving college and then COVID happening. Mm-hmm. What a time. <laughs> yep. That's, yeah, I, I can only imagine. Were you still in college when COVID hit? Or, okay, you had graduated the year before, and then you were in the midst of that year at home. Right. And COVID hit. Like about, yeah, COVID hit in March. Right. I knew, I, I had already applied to come to Candler and deferred for a year. Got it. So that's why I ended up moving home. And then I was, COVID happened and I was like, I guess I should probably defer for another year. But literally in the summer, right before it was like, you know, school starts in September or whatever, I was like, well, I can move to Atlanta and I can start school. And I know my life will look completely different than it does right now. So that sounds great. And And that's how I got here. And that's what I needed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I, I cannot even imagine. There are so many things that changed in COVID, but to make such a drastic move from college back home for a year and then to come to a completely other city, that's, yeah, that's big. That's really big. But you mentioned something that like really touched a nerve for me. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to turn the question back on myself and talk a little bit about my coming out process. Because I think when I think of a, a season of my life that felt really bleak, the time where I was like sort of coming into not only an acceptance of myself, but a love of myself came after a time where I was like really devastated. Because I think that if I'm looking back now, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? And so in the hindsight is 2020 sort of process, like I can look back and be like, oh, I knew I was queer when I was like three. But because I grew up in like the 90s and the 2000s, there, that was like the era of that so gay being like just like a derogatory throwout of like everyone, right? And so there were so many things about my upbringing that encouraged me and ushered me into the closet. Or I would even maybe suggest that built the closet around me. Mm. And I sort of did like a windy faith thing where like I grew up in church, spent some time in a pretty conservative non-denominational church, spent some time in a more progressive church. And then I went to college and I just like trust fell right into like my own internalized homophobia where I was like, hold me up and keep me here forever. Um, because it was really easy to understand the rules of conservative Christianity for me. And so I really built my college experience in a lot of ways around theologies and ideas that were personally oppressive to me. But because the rules were easy to follow, I like got comfortable in that space and I made like, at the time, what I perceived to be like amazing friends and just like living it up, living the dream. And then after college, I took a job and moved really far away from where I went to college. And when I say really far away, when you're like 23 years old, really far away is like a two hour drive, right? But I moved like a two hour drive from all of my friends who were still kicking it in our college town or had gotten married and had like moved in now like married pairs 
away from our college community. And it was there where I was like, there weren't a lot of people my age in this community where I was working and living. I like went to work and I went home and there was like no more Tuesday trivia. And I didn't live with like three other girls that were like making every night sort of a party. And there was no one to watch The Bachelor with Mm -hmm. and like be like, wow, we're judging everyone on The Bachelor so hardcore (laughs) when probably we should have been turning that eye on ourselves. But that's beside the point because it's The Bachelor. Um, (laughs) But there, so I like was really plunged into this season of, I would say bleakness, but Mm -hmm. also self-reflection in a way that really terrified me. And it was sort of in the season where I would like be up late and I couldn't sleep and I would like walk into my bathroom and I would look myself in the mirror and be like, I would think to myself like, I'm gay, but I like couldn't bring myself to like say it out loud. Wow. And so I would just like turn off the lights and like go and like sit in my bed and like watch reruns of Friends and just like try to go to sleep. And it was like months of this where I was like, it feels so dramatic to talk about it now, but like crying, like in the doorway of my apartment, like I can't be gay. Like this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. And having to really do this dark night of the soul, like truly all alone, because I think for me coming out of the closet was a process that I really had to do by myself because my community my college community, they were definitely not going to do it with me. Um, and so I remember, like, finally being able, like, one day to, like, go in my bathroom and look myself in the mirror and, like, out loud be able to be, like, I'm gay. And I remember that moment feeling like the earth, like, pivoted on its own rotation because clearly, like, everything's about me. And <laughs> But it started this process that felt arduous and long and impossible but I remember as I sort of slowly like it quite literally was a toe at a time like started like tiptoeing out of the closet I continued in this real season of bleakness where I would be like calling my friends from college or like sitting with them at lunch or at coffee and being like I need you to know that I'm gay and And the responses not being, oh my gosh, we're so excited for Mm -hmm. you, but rather being like, well, we love you, Mm -hmm. but we can't love you being gay. And just how utterly alone that made me feel and how absolutely crushed I felt to be like working on knowing this truth for myself and learning how to love myself and having people be like, oh, actually, there's really good reason for you to loathe yourself entirely. You should just do that instead. And so I remember this like happening over like, this is probably now a stretch of maybe a year. Mm -hmm. And I remember having this phone call uh, like towards sort of the end of my my creep, my my coming out creep, where I finally was like talking to this friend on the phone who was like, you know, we just love the sinner, but hate the sin. And I remember something like rising up in me and being like, I understand that you believe that, but that is violent towards who I am. 
And I would love for us to continue to be able to be friends, but I can't be friends with you if this is what you believe about me. And I remember hanging up the phone and feeling like so broken and so alone. And like in the depths of like when Barbara Brown Taylor talks about like being in the dark night of the soul, like I so feel that, like I resonate. But then it was like, after that moment, when I like sort of like after the end of my, again, my coming out creep, when I sort of like made my public declaration on Instagram, as you do when you're a millennial and you're coming out, I just remember feeling this overwhelming sense of relief. It felt like, it truly felt like the dawn breaking. It really felt like the lifting of like this blanket of bleakness that had like followed me for so long. And it actually allowed me the space to like cultivate friendships with people who not only like accepted me, but like really celebrate who I am and allowed me to show my whole like to show up as my whole self rather than as like this really segmented person who was trying to like accommodate the beliefs of other people and like actually allowed me to just like show up and be like hi like this is me and I'm like trying to figure it out and I don't know what that looks like but I'm free and I think that for me in the season of Advent, like that is what this like longing season and the bleakness of the season, I can look back at the culmination of that and be like, this is what I was always waiting for. And like, yeah, like there are ups and downs, like bleak moments in my life still, like that it would be absolute fallacy for me to be like, and that's when I never was sad again. Like, <laughs> that's when things always went my way. Like that's certainly not the case. But it, because I felt that so strongly in that time, I feel like there is a part of me that even in the midst of the bleakness can sort of like reach in and like Suma Kid talks about like being like, this is, I'm, I'm in the bulb. Mm-hmm. I'm in the bulb of the daffodil. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And I don't know how deep I'm buried. But I'm going to sprout eventually and I feel like I can hold on to that because of my experience of coming out and even though there I have like a lot of like really messy feelings around that time and like Mm -hmm. I still like harbor a lot of resentment Mm -hmm. against some of the people that were kind of in the midst of that season for me I'm also so grateful that I went through it and like how weird does that sound right (laughs) yeah and it's not it's not like you would sign up to go through that again. No, no, thank you. Right. I did it once. I'm good. I got like the t-shirt and the undercut and like, right. you know. Yeah. Or even if you had the choice to, I don't know. It, that's a hard question. Like if you had the choice to protect yourself, if you could go back in time and were somehow able to make the decision of whether or not to put your past 23-year-old self through the dark night of the soul or not, um, 
I think our impulse would be, no, of course not. But at the same time, you are grateful for the things that you've learned. And I don't think that's necessarily a reason to say, you know, everything happens for a reason. No. Yeah, that's so violent. (laughs) (laughs) But we do, like, yeah, experience God in... In In the midst. Yeah, in the midst. Yeah, and I think that that's... I think that that is the most powerful. I'm like a little triggered by the word testimony, like again, because of my like very conservative college years. But like if there is a testimony for people who are in the bleakness, I like all I have to offer is like that moment of presence to be like, I see you in this struggle. Like I see you little bulb in the soil. And all I can tell you is that I will be here to sit with you and to celebrate when that first little leafy green pops out mm-hmm. of the surface. Right. Yeah. The fir- and my favorite part of your story, talking about the first little leafy green, is that moment you s- described uh, with your friend. The first moment that you were able to um, articulate, like, no, that the way that you're acting is not okay. Who I am in in my life's journey is going in a direction that I can't accept people to be harmful to me in that way. Right. It's and it, inevitable. And it was sort of a moment too where I like decided that I didn't have to choose between God and myself. Mm-hmm. It was like this moment where I decided that like she didn't and her conservative theology didn't get to take God's love away from me. And that felt really powerful mm-hmm. and hard. But also like sort of filled me, like renewed a sense of hope for me that like God was actually in the midst, mm-hmm. even though I couldn't quite see it. And I think that that is, for me, is like the nature of Advent, is like that moment of knowing, even in this waiting, even though I can't see it, the hope of God is with me. And that I have I have the opportunity to claim my story within like the larger story of God. You know, it sort of a little bit reminds me of the very beginning when you were reading Genesis 1. And then I had the opportunity to read Dr. Gaffney's sort of reimagining of that narrative. Mm-hmm. And the idea that like the story of God is within each and every one of us because we are divinely created. And so because we are divinely created, we also have a hand in co-creating our narrative with God, which is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe in that spirit, I know that you have recrafted a story for us. Would you read it? Before the beginning, before there was land, rivers, and mountains, before the animals, plants, and you and I, God's presence hovered and hummed to the deep, the formless material of the earth. The earth was held in comforting darkness, sleeping but waiting. God's love for creation was uncontainable and called to the currents of the sea and the rumbling clouds of the sky. In a moment of clarity and bursting energy, 
God said, let there be light. And the light met the deep. And God saw that the light brought new life. And God saw the beauty that connected the deep and the light. The unknowing became the companion of the unfolding. God called the light ease and called the deep hope. And there was love and there was life. I just don't think that I can think of anything more beautiful than what you have here. That the light met the deep. And that beauty connected the deep and the light. The beauty of God connected the deep and the light. And that God called the light ease and the deep hope. And I just feel like maybe that is a really perfect and profound place for us to close today. And I hope that if you find yourself in a moment of bleakness today, in this whole season, perhaps it feels like the longest night that will never end. I hope you know that God sees you and we see you. And we hope that in the midst of the bleakness, the thing that is in the daffodil is in you too. And I know that it certainly makes me feel a little bit less lonely and a little bit more loved. And we hope that for you, it does the same. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a production of the Young Adult Ministry and the Communications Ministry at St. Mark United Methodist Church of Atlanta. The views and opinions expressed here on this podcast are ours and not necessarily those of St. Mark United Methodist Church or its ministries. We operate under an Adobe standard license for all music and sound included on this podcast. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, head to our website at stmarkumc.org. That's stmarkumc.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at stmarkumcatl and on YouTube at stmarkumcatlanta. Episodes of Less Lonely, More Loved will be released every Tuesday and Friday during Advent and will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, and more. If you enjoy the podcast, or even if you don't, we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and comments. Send all emails to mcesari at stmarkumc.org. That's M as in Mary, C-E-S-A-R-I at S-T-M-A-R-K-U-M-C dot org. We hope you will continue to engage with us, either in person or in one of our many virtual spaces. As always, all are welcome. Welcome.